Yeah, I just decided to go live with that. I mean, the reality is, is like these people that are, you know, going to be paying attention to the show. They've probably been watching the show the entire year, you know, yep. gotten all the advice from us and, you know, are, are sitting there crushing it. So fantasy football discussion, all that stuff going on. It uh, should be good. Did you yeah. see the intro to our last show? I mean, to my last show that I did. I haven't even been online all day, bro. What, what did I miss? Anything good? Uh, nothing. No, no. I'm going to surprise you then. That's perfect. All right, cool. What's going on, guys? Welcome on into Fantasy Intervention. We are live right now. Getting everything set up. We do have Chris Allen coming in the house here in a little bit. I'm very, very, very excited for that one. I love listening to Chris Allen, you know, talk. Meanwhile, we do have our starter sit, you know, show, or our starter sit questions that should be lined up. And Kudududu should join us as well. Let's go ahead and get this show kicked off. You ready for this, Mike? Yeah, man. Let's do it. intervention get you guys up and rolling what's going on everybody how y'all doing doing good oh yeah oh yeah i knew cooter's ready to rock and roll right and what's going on we actually have a special guest in so my name is chase i'm here to interview with your fantasy life right meanwhile we have my co-host mike and cooter doodle over here but we had to bring in a special extra special guest for this episode close out the season make sure you guys get in the right advice for this fantasy championships right for your starter sick questions so man Chris Allen, what's up, baby? How you doing, man? Special guest? I mean, I don't know if I would be, really be considered a, a special guest. I mean, you guys are the special ones out here making all this content. Like, the week of Christmas, and you guys are out here grinding like crazy people, like putting together shows and whatnot. I mean, I can't, I couldn't even imagine. Actually, I was just working on an article myself uh, just right before <laughs> the show. But still... I mean, you guys are the ones out here making all this uh, crazy content. So I'm just appreciative of y'all bringing me on tonight. And I'm excited to get into it and see what we have for, I mean, which is essentially a Christmas slate, right? So, I mean, let's, yeah. let's, get, let's get into it. Let, let's talk some fantasy football. Dude, bring some holiday joy into your starter sick questions, of course, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Now, real quick, before we do dive into it, I want to know where people can find you. You're talking about writing articles and stuff. Where are you writing articles at, man? Uh, a little bit of everywhere, to be quite honest. Um, so primarily, I'm over at 444. Um, I do the streaming quarterbacks column over there. Uh, but then on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, you can find me over at Numberfire. I do some work over there. And then also uh, football guys, kind of a, I do kind of a look back on the week prior and some of the lessons learned there. And then Thursday morning, uh, bright and early, and that's actually the article I was working on just now, I do the Daily Dose over at Rotor World. Uh, so a lot of the like just the, the news notes and then um, I'd normally do a preview for the Thursday night game. But since obviously we don't have a Thursday night game tomorrow, yep. I took a look at some 
some of the matchups over the weekend. So, and then on Friday, I wrap things up with a weather report because um, my Twitter handle at Chris Allen FFWX, that's kind of how people know me uh, because I've been, I've been looking at weather impacts for the last like few years and like taking a look at different trends and how, and how the game is affected by different weather elements. So uh, it's, Pretty much a full week of work for me throughout the regular season, but things are starting to wind down, which I kind of appreciate. I would like the break, not going to lie to you. Uh, but uh, either way, that's where you can find me at, man. Dude, I love it, man. And actually, because of you, I actually started looking more and more into weather reports. You know, I always knew that it played. Like, I didn't want to play, you know, a, a shifty quarterback, you know, in the in you know downpouring rain, you know, certain things. But, like, it was, like, normal stuff. Like, stuff that, you know, we, we kind of already knew about but you actually do a little bit deeper than what i was used to doing so thank you for that first off but you know appreciate your work for real yeah man it's uh it's kind of one of those like niche areas that a lot of folks like tend to freak out about and there are so many I think we have just that inherent bias that when we see some of these like extreme games, like I'm remembering, uh, what was it? Uh, that, that bills, was it bills and oh my gosh, a bills and Colts game from, I think a couple of years ago when it was like, you know, 10 inches of snow, they had to like clear out some areas so that, uh, the kickers could kick and stuff like that. Yeah. People remember those games, but it's yeah, just like yeah. the stuff that happens in between. That's where we can't really extrapolate uh, or interpolate like what's supposed to happen and how it uh, and how it impacts the game. So that's kind of where I try and tell folks to pump the brakes in most situations. But when the extreme stuff comes up, that's when we have to make other considerations. Yeah, and honestly, I could nerd out about this all day with you. Like, <laughs> I could go all day with you about this. To be honest, like, and this is something where I pay a lot of attention, in particular, to like the wind this year because the wind affected so many games. But, anyways, yeah. I want to go ahead and dive into the show. You know, talk about what we're actually going to be looking at for this show, and make sure that we do get some of these starter questions rolling. So, Mike, what do we have going on for this show? It's like we always do at this time, right? We're going to do a quick recap of week 15. We're going to give you our hits and our misses. We have some post waiver ads. Maybe those guys you want to pick up, throw in your starting lineup. If you're worried about maybe a James Robinson, if you're looking at some injuries, you know, we had some people go down. Make sure we get you those guys that maybe your league mates are dropping that you can pick up for your championship week. We're going to look at those flex plays that have smash matchups. Those guys, maybe you're not certain about that we think are going to crush it. And then last but not least, we give you starts outside the consensus top 20 running backs and wide receivers and top 15 quarterbacks and tight ends for week 16. But before we get to that, you want to handle some business? You want to Dude, go professional? Should we do uh, this? I actually have something special for you, Mike. This is why I was asking if you watched the show earlier, the intro, you ready for this? Let's do it. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. <laughs> Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy show app for player props. They've eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes. Choose 10 out of the 20 player props for the NFL options to build your lineup. Use promo code CIRCLE when you sign up today, and you will receive an instant match bonus up to $50 on your first deposit of 20 or more. For those of you who struggle in math, that would mean if you deposit 20, you will get 40, 30 gives you 60, 40 gives you 80, all the way up to that $50, $100 bonus. Again, use promo code CIRCLE to get that bonus. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store today or Play Store or by visiting their website, www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and hashtag prop up today. God. Come. All right. My bad. <laughs> I, I was lagging again, man. I have too many freaking screens up. I forgot to reset my computer. My bad. 
yeah, that was smooth. That uh, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I I, I turned myself on a little bit there. So uh, <laughs> now, that, now that we're past that, let, let's talk about the good and the bad from week 15. We gave you our plays starting out. Cooter needs her victory lap for a Salvam Ahmed absolutely lit hit his game up 121 and two touchdowns. I don't care what the ref said. I don't care what the box score says. The man was in on the second one. He did not get tackled at the half yard line. Lost one of my seven matchups last week because of it, but that's okay. Uh, we gave you Brandon Ayuk. We gave you Tyler Higby, JK Dobbins, Deontay Johnson, and Irv Smith Jr. All of which wildly outperformed the consensus and hopefully got you into that championship matchup. Now, of course, it, it's not all good. Uh, our quarterbacks for two weeks in a row have been straight trash. So we're going to do quarterbacks <laughs> again this week, but I wouldn't suggest listening to it. It just hasn't been our strong suit. Two weeks in a row, absolutely bombed there. Uh, Mike Davis, man, what what did you do to me? What what happened there? <laughs> All in on Mike Davis, man, and he absolutely laid an egg. Uh, Juju was nothing. Oh, and yeah. Lynn Bowden. I oh, it, call on that one. That was rough. It happens, though, because, Cooter, I don't want you to beat yourself up. I don't. Because what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to tell us for the second straight week, how did those scores break down out of the four matchups? And let me preface this. Coming in, sometimes I make jokes with Mike and Chase about, like, who's the beauty, who's the brains, who's the wild card. Makes sense. And I used to think it was Chase. But this week, Mike got two right. I got two right. And Chase, I'm sorry, you got zero. I bombed again. Yeah, I, I went all in on Irv Smith Jr. And I think you guys went in behind me on that one. So, yeah. So you're gonna was have it, to wait. Was Irv Smith Jr. Now. this week? Yeah, and we, I actually didn't see him in the in the bottom of the list. I would have picked him. Um, so I got stuck with Higby. Yeah, Irv Smith was the one we were all in on, and unfortunately, he wasn't bad. I mean, he he wasn't bad. It's just Tyler Higby decided to show up. Like I said, he you know he's like daylight savings. He's a pain in the ass, but he shows up twice a year. And that was last week. Um, so that that's how it played out. But, you know, again, we, we're pulling from outside the top 15 and top 20, and we're still giving you those top five to 10 plays. Hopefully you got them right. And I'm hoping that everybody in the chat is here because you are getting ready for your championship matchup this week. And speaking of, we actually do have a user question in here, right? And this guy's an RB hell. You know, this happens. This happens, by the way. You end up squeaking into the fantasy playoffs and something like this happened. So we're sitting here, right? And we're looking at some of his options for the running back position. Aaron Jones, right? Ahmed, Le'Veon Bell, Giovanni Bernard, Singletary, Tony Pollard. Like, you know, Jones is, is a no-brainer for him, right? So maybe we, we might need to discuss that. But who is the other person that's on this list? And I want to start with Chris. Uh, so at least for me, it's probably going to wind up being, I would, I would look at Devin Singletary first and foremost, uh, Zach Moss, like we saw him last week, uh, target share, non-existent. Um, and actually he didn't wind up getting, I believe it was like eight of his 13 carries until the fourth quarter. So well after the game was, uh, out of hand and decided by the bills. Uh, so Devin Singletary, I mean, even with, uh, what was it? The 30 yard touchdown that he got really in order to basically seal the game, like towards, uh, towards the end of the fourth quarter. I mean, Devin Singletary was the man throughout like three quarters of that particular matchup. I mean, also saw him used within the, uh, within the passing game as well. So if out of that group I had to pick, it will probably be Devin Singletary, especially given the fact that they're going up against the Patriots this weekend. And we just saw Tua Tungo Bailoa and the rest of, I mean, essentially not even their primary starters 
but their backups even. I mean, without Jakeem Grant, without De- uh, Devontae Parker, I mean, any of those guys, Mike Gusecki, I mean, they were still able to compl- I put up over, I think, 150 rushing yards against the Patriots. So, I mean, this week, if anything, I mean, I would probably look at Devin, Devin Singletary out of that list. Yeah, I got a backup, uh, Chris, here, because that's the guy I was going to say. He's, I'm going to talk about him later, but he's essentially getting the two-week-ago Acres treatment and last week's Ahmed treatment. I mean, he's going he's gonna to have a good game. I think he's the safest play out of the others. Yeah, Mike, what so do you have? We went into detail on the Patriots defense uh, last week. They do play a dime. They play stand-up. They don't have stud defensive tackles. They don't have their inside linebacker. Even their strong safety opted out from COVID. So normally I'm with you guys. <clears throat> However, this week I'm looking at this list and I'm seeing a running back who got 25 carries last week and is going up against the disgusting Houston Texans defense and Gio Bernard. And I know he hurt you. I know he hurt you two weeks ago, but last week, look what he did against the Steelers. And now all of a sudden he gets Houston. My concern is that he only got one catch last week, but 25 carries. If you see that volume against the Texans defense, you are going to see a hundred yards and one or two touchdowns. I would almost bank on it. So this week alone, as much as I love the Singletary call, I do think he's going to have a big game. In fact, I think there's a few guys on this list who are going to Gio Bernard is my pick that I'm pairing with Aaron Jones to run back two out of this list because of that matchup and because of the volume work. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm right there with, with Mike, you know, to an extent, like Ahmed Gaskins is in, right? So Gaskin, like he's going to demand targets as well. And they tried to feed Ahmed back a, a couple weeks ago. And he just, he's not a pass catching back. This matchup they have uh, for the Saturday lineup, he's, I think he's end up going to get it phased out to an extent. And I think Gaskin is going to see a very large role. Meanwhile, Le'Veon Bell has the Atlanta Falcons. You really can't run on the Falcons. It's more so that you want to pass on them, you know, so much more. Now, this could open up a little bit with Patrick Mahomes and whatnot. But, yeah, I, I want to go ahead and not take that risk with Le'Veon Bell. Meanwhile, the Eagles are really hard to run against. And it's getting like you're fighting for yards every single time you go up for the Eagles for the, for the running backs. I'm not saying the Eagles have the best run defense or anything, but you're fighting. Tony Pollard could end up putting up some yards, but uh, once again, he's just limited. So, with that being said, that fumble, I think, kind of lit a fire under Gio's ass a little bit. And I think that he could end up coming back and actually having a relatively good week again this week moving forward. They got a little bit of momentum, and Finley can move the ball with his legs. So, kind of, you know, you, you kind of see some of these middle linebackers frozen, which allowed him to get chunks of like six and seven yards multiple times, you know, which, which led to his big week. I really do like Singletary in this matchup, but the upside is completely capped with, with, I know he had a couple of breakaway runs, but with Josh Allen, you know, pretty much taking the ball in the red zone constantly, I'd rather take my chance with Giovanni Bernard. I still like Singletary, but I think I'm going Giovanni Bernard. All right, before we answer the next question, do you want to go ahead and hop up, Mike, and, and, you know, hit our next topic real quick. Yeah. So next topic, we're going to talk about players that were dropped this past week that you should give a look to. Uh, I mean, it's week 16, right? There's only two teams left. you probably have better options than this. However, if you are absolutely like in need at a certain position, there's a couple guys that I saw drop that. Honestly, I'm pretty shocked. Uh, the first one that we've already kind of hit on is Irv Smith Jr., the matchup's not great. The Saints early on in the year were giving up 
numbers to tight ends. They're not anymore. They're, they're just not. They've been giving up nothing to anybody not named Travis Kelsey. Six for 51 to the Eagles, one for nine to the Falcons, one for 13 to the Broncos, uh, nothing to the Falcons again. Now, granted, those aren't great tight ends. We don't have a great, great matchups there, but they're not leaking the way they used to. But Irv Smith is still that dude. I still find it hard to believe that if you have a tight end, uh, I'm trying to think of someone you might be playing. Like if you were relying on Tyler Higby, I still prefer even with the matchup, like an Irv Smith type player. So take a look at him. If he was dropped. How, how do you feel about Irv Smith Jr. Chris? Um, I think given his uh, target share within the, within the offense, I mean, he's still running, uh, I think the most routes that compared to the, uh, I mean, Tyler Conklin, he's mostly in there to, uh, to, uh, to block for the most part. I think, uh, was it a uh, week 14? He only ran maybe like 15 routes, uh, in total, according to PFF. So either way, um, with Kyle Rudolph, like still nursing that foot injury, I mean, I, I would definitely lean on, uh, Irv Smith, uh, this upcoming week. And to be quite honest, like while the previous matchups, like for the saints don't look that bad, I think for the passing game as a whole. I mean, I don't think Kirk Cousins is one of those quarterbacks, and I'll talk about him a bit later, that I'm still kind of high on despite the fact that they're going up against the Saints. So I do like that call. Oh, that's interesting. I like that. All right, let's go ahead and hit on the next guy. Uh, next guy that we have up is Wayne Gallman. And, and the thing is, right, he's playing against the Ravens. Not a great matchup. What kills me is Wayne Gallman was producing every week. Good matchup, bad matchup. And for some reason, I, I still, and maybe one of you guys can shed light on this. What the hell are we doing going to Alfred Morris in the second half last week? Like, what was going on there? Was he dinged? Like, I haven't heard anything. But you can't tell me that Alfred Morris is a better running back than Wayne Gallman right now. It was volume, volume, volume. Red zone touches. I mean, Wayne Gallman's numbers were through the roof in red zone touches, and he was converting. The only thing that gives me hesitation on this call was the usage of Morris in the matchup. However, if I knew Gallman was going to get volume, this is still a low-end RB2, high-end flex play for me. I just wish I knew, and maybe I some shed some light on that. I don't know what the heck Alfred Morris was doing in the game, but that's the only thing that gives me pause on Gallman this week. So... I actually, it was, you know, my birthday weekend, Shane came down, Shane Manila came down and I got really drunk for the majority of the time. So I was probably still drunk when, you know, dealing with these games throughout the weekend. But uh, it was something that I noticed, something really stood out was the fact that they were missing uh, block. Wayne Gallman was missing a couple blocks. He was getting pushed back into, uh, you know, into the backfield and just getting driven back into the quarterback. So that might've had something to do with it, but I haven't gone back and like watched the film or checked the protection rates. Not, I anyway. think from a usage standpoint, I think Gallman, uh, he should be locked and loaded, I think, as a pretty solid RB2. I'm trying to think back. What was the week that they played against uh, Cincinnati? Was that like week 12, week 13? I have it Something right like here, that? but my computer is slow as hell right now. <laughs> um, yeah, it was something around that range. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm remembering week 12, back to the, week 12. Yeah, yeah, week yep, the 1917 game, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I remember it was either their first or second series. I mean, Gallman got like four touches from within the five. Like it would just continue yeah. to like yep. go back to him like time after time after time. So I think they still know like what they have in Gallman and the, and the fact that he's, I mean, a power rusher, good rusher, one that can convert in short yardage situations. And with Daniel Jones, I mean, still nursing that hamstring injury. I still think that like regardless of I think he can work through some of those block uh, or pass protection issues. And they can immediately go back to him because, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I don't know why they would want to try and shift 
workload over to Alfred Morris at this point in the season. It's not like he's going to be a long-term solution for them at the running back position. And they already know that Gallman is, I think, a perfect backup to Saquon once he gets back next year. So I would look for Wayne Gallman to be at least a solid RB2 option uh, this, this upcoming week. All right. You want to hit on one more and then we'll jump into a question? Yeah, last one I have is Gus Edwards. Uh, I mean, we're talking about, granted, the Giants are decent on the ground. Like, let, let's not, you know, pretend this is a great matchup. We fall into that trap sometimes that bad teams are great matchups. But this is still a guy who's getting 10 carries. This is still a guy who's getting red zone work. This is still a team that is going to pound the ball. And this is a team that's going to win a football game. They're going to put up points on the Giants. So, again, people getting away from Gus Edwards, I don't think has anything to do with Edwards' production. I mean, let's face it, he had. 78 yards in total last week. He had 11 touches. I think the J.K. Dobbins hype is warranted. I love J.K. Dobbins. You guys have heard me talk about him a ton. But Gus Edwards is still getting touches. He's still a play. I don't know who you could have on your bench, who you could have on your play that is going to be better than Gus Edwards. And given the unusual nature of this season, Given the amount of game day inactives due to COVID, due to other things happening around the league, Gus Edwards is legitimately an RB2 flex as is, but jumps up to high RB2, low RB1 if Dobbins doesn't go for any particular reason. He's a guy you want on your bench, especially especially if you're a Dobbins owner, but he's a play otherwise. So I don't know how I'm seeing these drops on these double-digit touch running backs. It just doesn't make sense to me. These are the guys you want on your bench this late in the season. These are the guys that if you're in the situation, you're in running back hell, we've covered a couple questions like that. Why wouldn't you have guys like Gallman and Edwards at the ready? It just, it, it baffles me who people could be holding on their bench right now that's better than these guys. And, and Mark Ingram's seen like, what, one carry over the past two or three weeks. He's a healthy scratch last week. The Giants are allowing, I believe, it's like, it's over four yards per carry. I want to say it's like 4.2 yards per carry or something like that to the running yeah, back. 413 for the Giants and almost a 0.65 touchdowns a game through the ground and also another 0.29. So they're averaging almost a touchdown to a running back. And, you know, we're looking at, like I said, those four yards a carry and about 121 yards in total offense. All right, let's go ahead and hop in some questions real quick. We're going to start out with Jamie's question. What's up, Jamie? How you doing, man? This is one of our favorite people that come in the group chat, of course. Hey, Chris, we're going to have you start out with another one, man. Juju Landry Cooks, Shark. Start three. Uh, start which one three? Are you, yeah, which one are you benching out of this? Uh, probably DJ Chark, like out of out of that particular group. Um, Juju is probably the the one that carries like the most question, uh, just considering the way that we saw Pittsburgh's uh, offense unravel uh, this past week. Uh, but either way, like they're playing against the Colts like this upcoming week, and while they have been uh, and they primarily play a zone defense, and with Juju playing like primarily out of the slot, he runs like those drags, those dig routes, uh, coming across like the linebackers and working underneath. I do think that assuming he stops with the you know the midfield dancing routine like at you know that he does beforehand, he won't get blown up as much. But also uh, <laughs> considering like the number of targets he got this past week, he should at least have a stable workload for this upcoming week, and he would be the one to benefit most uh, from uh, from taking on that matchup against the Colts. And they don't have DeForest Buckner. At least he didn't practice uh, today, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that makes me a little bit nervous. Uh, just because of the fact that Kenny Moore is kind of like hit or miss. Now, he actually does really well in coverage. So that's where it's kind of like an, an advantage is he does 
he's very poor at stopping people getting yards after the catch, but it does make me nervous. Cooter, which one are you leaning towards over here? Because I, I love Cooks. Um, I mean, the only one that I was about to say, the only one I feel confident in this week is Cooks because he's against Cincinnati. I'm okay with Landry. So for me, it's kind of a toss up between Juju and Shark. And it really comes down to do you trust that Juju can come back and do something for you? you what know? about so Minshew? That's really- <laughs> do you trust Minshew? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I just don't, I don't trust Juju either, though. So it's just that's why for for me they're both just kind of. I, I will know. say Mackenzie Alexander probably played the best game I've ever seen him play in his entire career. You know, and, and I pay attention to Mackenzie Alexander because you know he's somebody that I actually started out this podcast with. The co-host was a huge Vikings fan, and we always he always brought up Mackenzie Alexander every freaking time. So I have had a lot of Mackenzie Alexander, uh, I guess, exposure, and this is his best game I've ever seen him play. So, Mike, which one are you on? Uh, it's Chark easily for me uh, with what you're looking at. I don't even know who's going to play quarterback right now for Jacksonville. They're somehow doing an audition, trying to figure out which one's most likely to lose. You have James Robinson nursing an angle, ankle. Um, they might not score. To be quite honest, the Jaguars might not score, and, and I don't think they want to. So that's a problem for me. Number two, and I want to just plant this here. Um, Jarvis Landry is not somebody you want your opponent to have this week. Jarvis Landry is going to win some championships. I like Jarvis Landry a lot. This Jarvis Landry is going to light it up. Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry is the stack that is going to win your championship against the Jets this week. They're going to absolutely go off. I am in love with Jarvis Landry this week. So he, to me, I don't even know who you could have had on your list that I wouldn't have said Landry. Um, the uh, Juju to me is definitely a play. And who was the third one? Uh, Cooks. Cooks, Cooks is a, a smash a- against Cincinnati. Yeah. So I think Juju is the only one that really isn't looking at wide receiver one upside. He's probably going to be more of a wide receiver two. Um, but Chark, as we see, he could just fall off the map this week. I, I just want nothing to do with that Jacksonville offense period this week. I like it. I like it. I'll take that 100% and roll with it. So let's go ahead and let's answer one more question, maybe two. Keith wants to know who should he run with in the flex for full PPR? Wilson Jr. versus Arizona, Henderson Jr. versus Seattle, or Mike Davis versus Washington if CMC is out? Cooter, let's start out with you. These are things I just don't know enough about. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't... I don't know. Skip me. I really don't know enough to, to make a call on it. I'm sorry. All right. Chris, you want to go with this? Um, I would probably say uh, Daryl Henderson, like out of that list. Um, I do like uh, Jeff Wilson's matchup if he were to be the guy that's uh, that's running this week or starting this week. But who knows? I mean, it could wind up being, you know, two short tosses to Kyle Juszczyk or something like that that completely <laughs> tanked that entire thing. Uh, but at least for uh, at least for the Rams, like we kind of know like how they want to operate. Um, while they have been like fairly pass heavy uh, for for most of the season, their red zone passing rate has been fairly low. I want to say like, so low. yeah, about 52 percent like on the season. And actually uh, this the past like three weeks, it's been around like 45 percent. So with Cam Akers out nursing that high ankle sprain, I think Daryl Henderson will be the one wind up getting the start. Um, in most of the games where uh, Akers has missed and uh, Henderson has been the guy, I think he's outtouched uh, Malcolm Brown, I think like 15 to nine, something like that, um, along with a couple of targets to go along with that workload. So if I were to pick anybody out of that list and we, we at least we want to assume that the Rams can not implode like they did against the Jets this past week, um, I would I would take Daryl Henderson like off that list for sure. Yeah, I, I actually I, I like Daryl Henderson. And then with. Uh, Jeff Wilson, we talk about the explosive 
uh, runs allowed by Arizona. They're like 23rd ranked, I believe, overall for at least the rates. So this could be a game where they just sit there and they just run the ball, you know, up the gut with CJ Pathard, like, you know, not even passing. Like we could see Jeff Wilson Jr. with 2025, but my main concern is Tevin Coleman, to be honest with you. You know, Tevin Coleman could always come in there and ruin things just like he does, you know, from week to week. So it makes me McKinnon. It could be Jared McKinnon, but Arizona is actually really good up against the pass to the running back position, but it could be Jared McKinnon, you know, being a little bit quicker inside. So it's something as to where, man, I'm not playing, I'm not playing Mike Davis up against Washington. Like you couldn't, like, there's no way if you win the championship with Mike Davis up against Washington, I would be shocked. So if you're going to run with one of these two guys between Jeff Wilson Jr. for me and Henderson, uh, Seattle, I, I've been talking about Seattle's actually been really good up against the running back so far this year, but I did some research and I, I don't know it off the top of my head right now because this was last week, but Seattle, although they've been good up against the run, they struggle in the red zone. Mm-hmm. They've allowed like something, I want to say six out of their 10 touchdowns uh, this year to the running back has been in the past four uh, past few weeks in the red zone. So they're, they're getting it down there in the red zone against them while the defense is exhausted from pass rushing. And then they're just pounding the rock in. So I like Henderson this week. I normally am against running backs up against Seattle, but it, they're starting to show that they're a little bit leaky, but I still think I got to go with Wilson. How you feeling, Mike? So let me tack on to your stat there, Chase three out of the six touchdowns they've given up. What are the Rams? Uh, the Rams put yes. them up for three touchdowns the last time they played them. That was with Acres in. It was a straight timeshare. I, I, I think it's Henderson as much as much as I want to say Wilson. When I, it was funny before you guys started talking. This is why I love having this group like this. Like before you guys started talking, my answer was Wilson. And while you guys were talking, I was kind of digging into some of the stats and things like that. And now what I'm seeing has me on Henderson. So let's call it a clean sweep and go Henderson against the Seahawks. Yeah, it's. I, I just realized, by the way, when you said the three touchdowns, that, that research that I did was yesterday. It just feels like it was a week ago. Like five pods. I literally have done five pods between that pod yesterday and this one tonight. So, yeah, it's been a lot. But that that was yesterday. All right, one more question, and then we'll move on. We got Mike Davis or Melvin Gordon, and let me just say, guys, I am one hundred percent on Melvin Gordon everywhere this week. Everywhere. And I'm going to go to, into it in a little bit later, so I don't want to ruin that. But go ahead, Mike. Let's start out with you. Who yeah, you so, uh, I, it, it's Gordon. I mean, shout out to uh, Casey Kasem. We were actually talking about this, I believe it was this morning, but just like you. I have no idea what day it is anymore. It could have been yesterday. could have been last month. Um, but we were talking about in the in the group chat that we were all in, and she was looking for that rental player. And to me, you can't get better of a rental right now than Melvin Gordon against the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, they are the run defense you dream about. And what you saw was he is now taking over for Lindsay. I, I loved Lindsay coming into the season. I was all about him being the best running back. I don't know if the injuries are still hindering him. I don't know what we're looking at there. But what I do know for certain is that Melvin Gordon looks like the best back on the Broncos and the best back against that Chargers defense is guaranteed to put up numbers. So smashing Melvin Gordon. To me, Melvin Gordon and Mike Davis aren't even in the same stratosphere this week. I'm all in Melvin Gordon this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think consensus. Cool. Yeah, it's easy. 
Yeah, hundred percent on that one. I think fifty three percent of the snaps for uh, for Melly G this past week, um, and the, the Chargers are coming in at twenty first in rush EPA allowed over the past like four games. So, I, like, when was it uh, when they played against the Raiders? What was it? Josh Jacobs uh, came in what with the uh, what. Uh, what busted quad or something like that or calf injury still wound up torching them as well i mean so yeah i'm I'm all in on melvin gordon for this week let's do it let's hop into this next segment the flex plays yeah we just lost linda because i said something mean about Lindsay. Oh, sorry no. linda I, did, oh, I didn't mean it no, <laughs> no. <laughs> all right Ooh. so Let's talk flex. Uh, the first one that I have on my list here is David Johnson. Uh, th- they don't have any other running backs. He's going to be on the field nonstop against that Cincinnati defense. I-, I can't get away from much like we talked about with Geo in this game. Any back who's going to get volume is going to put up numbers. I think David Johnson's an easy play. Top 12. Don't know how he's ranked outside of that, but he is. So he's my first one. Uh, second one we covered was Jarvis Landry. We went into this in detail. Jarvis Landry is, has the wide receiver one upside this week against the Jets. And the third one that I have here, and then I will pass the mic, is Chris Godwin against the Lions. The Lions cannot stop anybody through the air. They're certainly not going to stop someone in the caliber of Chris Godwin. So these were a few of the outliers that, to be quite honest, I didn't think were going to be available to us in this kind of mid-range flex play. Like, I legitimately thought, all three of these guys would have ended up the consensus top 12. Uh, it feels like free money when these guys are outside of that consensus. The matchups are, are just gold for me this week. Now, I'll be honest. I don't know if the person I pick is considered a flex play. I, did, I don't, I didn't know how you define that, but either way, That's I right. think Allen Robinson's going to have a good week. I think Trubisky's going to have a good week. Um, but Jacksonville allowed like one to two touchdowns, mostly two to wide receivers in every game since week six. And over 200 yards in five out of those eight games. So I just think it's it's one of those guys that you're just going to have to start. He could easily have like a blow up game. That's a great point. Is CJ Henderson, did he ever come back from his injury? The cornerback, the rookie? Because he was actually really tough to pass against when they first, well, like, you know, in the beginning of the season. And then he got hurt. And I don't know if he ever came back. I don't know. I don't remember what. If I can, can look it up. It. Yeah. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, I, I actually faded because I do a lot of DFS shows and stuff and I look at the, the matchups and I'm trying to figure out, you know, which cornerbacks play well up against certain players and whatnot. So I'm sitting there and I'm looking at it. Yeah. CJ Henderson's out, like done for the year, I guess. He did come back for a little bit, but I mean, he was shut yeah. down S corner to start up the year and now he's out again. I mean, yeah, he's on the IR with what looks to be a groin injury. Yeah, so he went out. Yeah, he went out in week five, and then had some injury issues from week six and seven. The bye hit. Then he had Houston, which was great at passing the ball in Green Bay. So obviously they're going to put up points regardless. And he's been out since week ten. So that makes perfect sense. Absolute perfect sense. Great point, Cooter. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, Chris, how are you feeling about those those people that were mentioned? Uh, my only concern for Allen Robinson is like the, sh- like the slight shift or actually a fairly significant shift that we saw in the bears offense just this past week. Uh, because when I looked up and I saw, I mean, people talking about it and I was watching part of that game as well, but when we see David Montgomery with 33 30, for one freaking show, 30 freaking touches, Dude, I mean, yeah. I, but see, my thing was, and this was, and this was oh, a thing that, uh, that, that, that was kind of tilting me was that, well, 
I mean, if you're up by multiple scores, then of course, I mean, David Montgomery is going to wind up carrying the load. But I took a look at it. I was uh, actually scrolling through Sports Info Solutions, and he got the bulk of his carries like while the team was still in neutral game script. Oh, and wow. for and actually over the past like few weeks. Uh, so let me read this off real quick. Uh, so in week 12, uh, the Bears were actually sitting at the top five, top 10 uh, passing offense in neutral game strips, about 60% or so. But over the past few weeks, it's been 50, uh, 50%, 58%. And just this past week, it was, just, it was all the way down to 35.2%. That shift, I mean, in neutral game strips and also how they operate within the red zone. I mean, to me, that's, while it's just a one game blip, I mean, to me, it's significant. In that, I mean, if they're going to start, I mean, kind of moving things away from Mitchell Trubisky, they're seeing how much, how successful David Montgomery was as a rusher. I think he was successful on like about 66.4% of his rushes this past week. I mean, if that's the type of workload that we can start to look at from uh, like from David Montgomery and from the, just that uh, rushing game in general, I mean, to me, that's at least... Uh, I guess the only blip I can say against Allen Robinson, because regardless of what the total passing volume is going to be, I mean, he's still going to get his. I mean, he's still been sitting at a 26, 27 percent target share throughout the entire season. So I'm not absolutely concerned. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's not like Devontae Adams, but still, yeah, alpha status like for for a Rob. So I'm not particularly concerned for Allen Robinson, but especially considering, I mean, their opponent this upcoming week. Yeah, I can see that kind of being another smash spot for David Montgomery. And that's the type of work that, that pulls away from a guy like Allen Robinson. So, like, what did he have this past week? What was it, like seven for 83, something like that? Yeah. Which, so is solid? We, which is absolutely solid. But is he going to have that Devontae Adams, you know, eight for 110 and two touchdowns? I'm not seeing that in the range of, you know, the range of possible outcomes for A Rob. So, that's, yeah. that'd be the only thing I'd say against him. And honestly, I think that's exactly right to Kudu to his point. She's like, I don't know what classifies as a flex player or, or one. And that's exactly what you should expect from Allen Robinson is what Kudu said, like a, a flex play. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he's not going to win you your championships this week, but he can still provide that, you know, that he's safe solid. floor. Yep, yeah, exactly. He's absolutely solid. And for me, uh, I would just the only guy that I want to tack onto that list is possibly. And after last week, especially against an opponent that we thought was going to be legit. Uh, would be Cooper Cup. Now, Robert Woods, that uh, we know he is the the primary guy, like on like on the Rams offense, like he is the go to dude. Like whether it be on third downs, whether it be the primary read for Jared Goff, or even in the red zone, considering he's mixed in as both a receiver and a rusher. Uh, but for Cooper Cup, I mean, most of his work now has been re- like he still maintained most of his workload within the twenties, but his red zone targets have completely fallen off. I think he has just three red zone targets in the past four weeks. And especially in uh, weeks 13 and 14, the Rams actually switched to uh, two tight end sets for be around like 60% of their plays. That was when they were uh, doing a lot of their like heavy rushing game scripts against the, against the Patriots. They completely mauled them with Cam Akers. And I believe they did the same thing against the Cardinals because they need to bolster that offensive line uh, against the, the Cardinals, a pretty decent pass rush. Uh, they're, they're bad on the back end, but their pass rush I and mean, their ability to generate pressure is pretty decent. So last week... Yeah, last week, though, I mean, they kind of switched things up less on the two tight end sets. They had to pass a little bit more in order to keep up with the Jets, which is something I never considered myself possibly saying. And uh, his target share started to tick up. We, we're just not seeing the money touches yet. But against Seattle next week, I mean, we know how bad that secondary can be. And the fact that uh, Seattle has been able to generate pressure, I believe somewhere around like 27 percent of uh, opposing quarterbacks uh, um, attempts over the past four weeks. That's at least 
uh, enough for me to say that Cooper Cup should be more heavily involved in the offense than he has over the last month. So, he, yeah, he falls into that wide receiver two flex play ish. So if you're looking for an ancillary receiver, I mean, some folks will still want to gravitate towards like Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett. But I still think Cooper Cup is a guy that you can possibly go back to this week. So it's funny when I, did, when I did the show sheet, I actually had Cooper Cup as my wide receiver in the next section. And I switched him out for the guy that I chose. Don't want to give any spoilers here. And the reason for it is I can't get away from for the second year in a row. Cooper Cup's usage has been night and day from the first half of the season to the second half. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, in the second half of the season, once again, and last year I thought it was just Gerald Everett's health. Like Gerald, Gerald Everett got healthy. They went two tight end sets. This year they came out of the gate with two healthy tight ends and still waited to the second half to employ that offense. It's almost like he flips the script second half of the season, and all of a sudden it goes away from cup and in those scenarios what i feel like is i'm playing whack-a-mole right i feel like with the rams i'm playing whack-a-mole with woods cup even a little reynolds sprinkled in like who's gonna hit right and i have no doubt in my mind that somebody on that team is gonna hit but the reason why i erased cooper cup's name and went with the guy that I went with was just I felt more solid about my choices target share being more guaranteed. Is he in a position we can go off? Absolutely. Am I willing to push my chips in on him in a championship matchup? I'd just be a little hesitant just because now second year in a row makes a little bit of a pattern that Cooper Cup's second half usage is weird. It's just not predictable and slow. All Sean McVay, man, and his game plan, he sticks to his game plan. Like he does what he wants to do, like when he wants to do it and he, he sticks to it. So, yeah. you know, I want to hop onto these questions, but I will say that the lions made this a nightmare for DFS for the Saturday slate, an absolute nightmare because you know, normally like with teams, right? They play like certain areas of the field. Well, like when, when defending the pass, right. Or they, you know, have a, a special cornerback on the team. Who's great in the slot that shuts down these slot rod receivers, or, you know, maybe they defend the deep ball because they play so far off the line of scrimmage. So, you know, underneath is always open. Dude, the Lions just open up the door and say, wherever you want to throw the ball, please throw the ball. They have, sucked up against explosive pass plays like deep threats. They've sucked up against cornerback. I mean, uh, uh, slot slot wide receivers. They have sucked up against big time possession receivers. These guys are just like, Hey, just put it wherever you want it. You know, mm-hmm. like just, just, and, and I had a joke in our group chat earlier, so I'm trying not to go there, but it, it's something as to where like, it, you know, they literally just say, throw the ball wherever you want to. It's up to you. Let's go ahead and let it fly. You know, like they, they don't stop anything. So figure out whether it's Antonio Brown this week, whether it's Mike Evans, whether it's Chris Godwin, is a complete crapshoot. Like, mm-hmm. you, I don't know which one to pick. And honestly, there's a chance that Tom Brady goes up early. And don't get me wrong, Tom Brady still has put the nail in the coffin, even after it's already nailed shut. So, you know, he's done that multiple times so far this season. But there's a chance that they get up two or three touchdowns. It's the end of the season. They want to give Brady's arms some rest. Brady could throw this, the ball 20 times this game. Who do you feel comfortable saying actually is going to get the receptions for this wide receiver corpse? Now, the, the only smash in this particular matchup, if he's healthy, is Ronald Jones. Ronald no, Jones. He, I don't think he's, I think he's doubtful for this week is what they're is saying. But Leonard Fournette? Leonard Fournette's the smash. Fournette. Yeah. yeah. If, if, if whoever's the healthy running back is the smash in this matchup, you're right. It's going to be whack-a-mole with the wide yeah. receiver, but the running back's going to go off. Whoever 100%. It, 
if it's yeah. Jones or Fournette, and like I said, that what, Jones is still COVID, right? So he was, is he still, he's still under the water? They're not expecting him to play, at least for my research that I've done for hours and hours today. Yeah, I've seen that like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm I didn't, sitting I didn't there trying every minutes. last angle, trying to figure out which wide receiver to go through. I probably spent two hours diving into the stats. I went into the plays, like the actual plays, and seeing if it was short passes that were taking past 20 yards or if they were actually deep passes. And honestly, like Tom Brady, he's not accurate. He's completing 37.3% of the deep ball attempts. So he's not even accurate, and yet I still have faith in Antonio Brown, who connected with them last week for 93 yards and touchdown. It's it, this whole match of drive me nuts, and I need to stop talking about it. So let's go all ahead. Let's right. do some questions. Uh, all right, we got one from third and short. Should I drop Trent Richardson in Dynasty? No, you got to hold him. You got to hold, hold him, man. Hold him. He still got it. One I don't even. He was in the XFL, and he didn't make it in the XFL. No. That's rough. Like, oh man, that's brutal. Yeah, that's rough. Oh, and just, by the way, shout out to everybody who was telling me that Jonathan Taylor is the next Trent Richardson. Great call on that one, guys. Yeah, good one. <laughs> All right, so we're going back to the Henderson call. And I'm guessing there's a lot of people that are going to have like these Hendersons and the Pollards and the Connors because of the way they performed. Well, maybe not Connor, but the way they performed later in the season or last week. So, uh, you know, this is something as to where we already talked about Pollard being tough to run against, you know, with the Eagles. And James Conner, I don't even know when to trust him, but you did bring up that, uh, that uh, what's his name, is out the defensive tackle. So where yeah, do we feel uh, comfortable? It's Henderson. Um, I mean, yeah. w- w- watch, watch the Cowboys game. Realistically, Pollard got his numbers on one big play through the air, one big play on the ground, and the ground play was, was a busted play that he, that he broke through. Otherwise, he did nothing. I mean, let, let's just call it what it is. It was basically that they were, San Francisco gave short fields. They gave short fields, and even then, he was having trouble getting in. He barely got in on his second try from the one-yard line. I'm still not even certain he scored on that first rushing touchdown. It wasn't a great game for Tony Pollard. I know the box score watchers love it, but overall, his runs we're okay. It was what you would expect from Pollard. And he'll he'll see the same type of tough running against the Eagles. It's just not a good play this week. It's it's a box score call if you play Pollard rather than a game game film call. I'm I'm convinced of that. Well, Taylor, I don't know if Taylor's still in here, but he has another question. Oh, before I hop to that, Cooter, do you do you agree or are you Oh yeah. I mean, and like y'all said, this week matters. This is the game. Like you can't, you know, be cute with it. So we got Taylor over there, right? And he, he's got another Pollard question. So is this something where you even feel comfortable starting Pollard over Juju? Let's start out with Cooter because Cooter, like you don't like playing Juju this week, right? Yeah, I don't. If it's PPR, you definitely go Juju. And, and I don't know. Yeah. If Zeke's out, I would go Juju. Wait, if Zeke's out, you would go Juju or, or Pollard? Yeah, I guess it doesn't okay. matter because Zeke has anyway. So yeah, I would go Juju regardless. All right. Do you guys have any disagreement with that? Because I'm on Juju's side. I would take. I would probably play Pollard. That's just me. I mean, to me, it, it just sticks out that he got nine targets out of nowhere. That is big. And, and Zeke hasn't been getting the targets. It's killing me. I mean, Zeke's, me. Zeke's never seen that type of workload before. I mean, yeah, I, I agree that. I mean, some of the runs. Okay, we expect we would expect him to do it. Um, but I do think, though, um, on the on the breakaway run that uh, that he had to, to score the touchdown towards the end of the game, Z can't do that no more, man. 
I mean, Zeke, Zeke does not have a, does not have it in him. I mean, to do what Pollard did. And we have seen other running backs be able to have that breakaway speed to get away. If you can get past the first level from the Eagles. Mm-hmm. So I think if you're looking for that ceiling play, if you need one of those guys to bring it home, because I don't think Juju has it in him to bring it home for you. If you need that from one of your players, if you're talking about a flex play. So I would say that between the two of them, Pollard has that ceiling that Juju does not. Yeah, it, right. it's funny. I just trashed him. I would actually go Pollard there as well. I, oh. I, I just don't like Juju. Uh, I just, I, I don't, again, you're, you're rolling the dice with Pittsburgh and uh, I'm going to go with the touches. Again, I just want you to temper your expectations. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be a big game for Pollard. I'm just not sure that Juju is going to get the touches. I mean, look at what happened last week. I, I think, and we went heads up. Uh, we talked about it last week. I still think this is Deontay's team. And I think Claypool and Juju are fighting for the remaining throws. I don't like what we saw from Ben last week. I'm not sure he bounces back. I, I would take the guaranteed touches here. But, man, I, I would wish there was a third option because I don't love either. Uh, so that's not an endorsement on Pollard. More so, it just feels like he'll touch the ball more. And like you said, Chris, he has that explosive nature that he might pop one. Um, yeah. Where Juju, I, I just don't see him getting the volume. Yeah, I would say that their floors, I think their floors are equitable between the two. But, I mean, Pollard, I mean, everybody can, uh, hopefully everybody can admit that Pollard has the higher ceiling out of the two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, God, that's tough for me. I still think that, you know, up against Kenny Moore, who does allow some big plays after the catch, you know, yards after the catch to the slot receivers. Juju could sit there with with seven or eight targets in, in 90 yards. So you know that, all right, so he matched his touchdown or career touchdown uh, total. For, or I'm sorry, his, his season-long touchdown total. He, he hit that last, or the week before last. That's why one of the main reasons I was on him, right? He's sitting there with, like 78 receptions prior to this week or something along those lines. I think 78 or 79. Uh, he has like 655 yards like prior to this past week, which obviously that didn't change much this week. So it, it's somewhere right around that range, but it's something that's where like, like he's doing everything that he's doing, but his yardage is significantly down because this offense that they're running and this play calling that they're running is just atrocious. Like, like they can't throw it further than five yards on the field. Juju Smith, Juju Smith Schuster's average depth of target is like four yards or something. That's it's uh, I think it's like five point five. Like headed into week fifteen. I mean, he's essentially being used yeah. like how we expected Eric Ebron to be used. And Eric Ebron actually has the higher. Yeah, he's getting ran on like out routes up the field about ten to fifteen yards down the field. Yeah. I mean, meanwhile, Juju's just not. He's he's not doing it. So I, I once again I forgot the numbers. But let's go ahead and answer this one more question. Oops, this one more question, and then let's go ahead and hop in this next segment, and we'll, we'll close out the show answering some of these questions. So, seriously, Herbert or Hurts this week? Hurts up against Dallas is so sexy, man, but do you trust it for your finals? Now it's Herbert. It, it's got to be Herbert. I mean, he's got a sexy matchup, too. Uh, I love the floor of Hurts, and I think, uh, sure, we, we've covered this a lot on this show. If you think that you're going to beat your opponent and you need that floor play, it's Jalen Hurts. You go with the running quarterback if you need that floor play. If you need that 12 to 15 points, you go with the runner. But but Justin Herbert's the guy who got you here, man. You, yeah. you got to play him against the Broncos. I think he has that upside. He has that chance to win it all for you. I still think Hurts is going to be a guy that's living off of minimal tape right now. And I think that people could uh, catch up with them. And if it happens this week, that, that could be a big problem for you. 
Yep, yeah, I have, I, agree. I have to agree with Mike. I mean, if you look at Herbert, he's had since week four, he's only had two games with with less than two touchdowns in the air. And I mean, he's had 300, 300, 300 something yards, and it is consistency. And I think Hertz is nice, like you said, for a floor because he could get like one or two in the air and one or two on the ground, but you have to go Herbert if it's your championship matchup. Yeah, man. I mean, what we came into came into week 15. Uh, at least some folks were waffling over if they should start Justin Herbert because Ken Allen was banged up. Mike Williams was going to play on a limited snap count. It didn't freaking matter. Yeah, I, mean, I know. Jalen, Jalen Guyton, Tyra Johnson. I mean, Austin Eckler contributing Hunter Henry. I mean, he hit like six different receivers. I mean, and then like four of them had like five or six targets apiece. And he still wound up I mean, Herbert still wound up over 300 yards plus a rushing score. So, yeah, you're starting Herbert. I mean, it's not even a question. All right, let's go ahead and jump in this next segment, Mike. What we got right. left? Last next one segment tonight. is our favorite. These, these are our calls. We've got to call our shots here. Let's talk about I our... I felt ethically, okay? This is not my favorite over the past two weeks, all right? Uh, not my favorite I, I, at all. I've enjoyed it. Um, so here we go. We're going to talk about guys outside the top 20 running back and wide receiver, top 15 quarterback and tight ends that have a chance to finish top 12 with their position and why. Coming right out of the gate, I am going to go with the guy who bit me square in the ass last week, but I'm going to roll with them again. And that's Jared Goff. Uh, As we talked about earlier, I have no idea who is actually going to get the ball thrown to them. But what I do know is that Jared Goff is going to be a QB one this week. The matchup is too good. He can't fail twice. This is going to be a bounce back game for him. Call it an average street if you want. But realistically, what I'm always looking for when we do this segment, and as we've gone along, we've learned, I'm looking for that recency bias. And I don't think that I have a chance to take Jared Goff as an outside the top 15 option if he didn't bomb last week. I don't think this is an option for us. I think he would already be in that top 15 range against this matchup if you take away last week. I think it's a fluke. I think he bounces back, and I got Goff as my uh in a, as a quarterback one this week all right Cooter, go ahead and take my guy I, I messaged mike i messaged mike and i was like dude i got some free time i want to try and hop in there and, and pick a person so i'm not left out and then i forgot to actually put my stuff that's who you would have picked yeah I'm no I, I love your pick i love your pick yeah i'm going with drew Brees. he's he's ranked 19 as espn's 19th quarterback this week and i just don't see that happening one he has something to prove because he came back last week and look I was nervous. It wasn't great at first, but he, he has something to prove. And um, he did score, even though he wasn't that great at the beginning. I mean, I was ready to bench him at that point. Um, but he still scored three passing touchdowns, 234 yards. And I know that we always say Minnesota and Cousins has trouble on the road. But I just think this week he's going to have – it's, it's going to be a shootout. It could potentially be a shootout. And Drew's one of those guys that I think – 19, just way too low. I think he could make that top 12. Dude, it, man, it's something as to where, like, Drew Brees, I know that he doesn't have Michael Thomas. I know that he doesn't have Traquan Smith. But, it like, as long as you have Alvin Kamara, like, what else do you need? <laughs> That's what the play right there. <laughs> That's the play. That's the best play of the week. Yeah. That is the best play of the week. So, mine, man, I, I have to pick between, like, Drew Locke and Marcus Mariota. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it this is tough like this is not easy for me i'm sitting over here like just god like what am i supposed to do so look on the bright side you can't be worse than last week 
<sighs> Dude, I, Mitch Trubisky wasn't that bad. Okay, it was just Dave Montgomery. All right, I'm. I don't want to say his name again. I'm done with this. I'm done. I'm done saying his name. All right, we have, we have Marcus Mariota, who I'm going to take. All right, here's the deal. Like I, I'm sitting here, I literally tilted up until this point right now, where I, I'm finally locking it in. But uh, the reality is, it's kind of crazy. Miami's been really good uh, on defense so far this year. We all know that they've been scored touch. I mean, they've been sick, right? Mm-hmm. But They've actually struggled up against rushing quarterbacks, quarterbacks that are mobile. So I, I took all the mobile quarterbacks, right? And I, I laid them out. Josh Allen, mobile quarterback, right? 41 points. Russell Wilson, 24. Kyler Murray, 43. Herbert, he's mobile, right? We can consider him a mobile quarterback. Ish. Yeah. 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 24 points. Newton, 25. Now, Newton did have one week of, or last week with 11, but 25 points the first time they played. And then if you want to include Patrick Holmes in there, I mean, I don't know if you consider him mobile or not, but he can at least maneuver the pocket, you know, 28 points, 24 points, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Anyways, sitting there and looking at it, we had Marks Mariota last week who finished out as like quarterback eight, depending on your scoring. He had like 15 of his points on the ground rushing. So I don't like Marcus Mariota. I never have. All right. I'm a, I'm a Derek Carr guy. I love Derek Carr. I hate Marcus Mariota. I hate him. hate him. But like, he's like, he's literally like Dave Montgomery. Like that's what I'm, I feel like I'm having. Like, did he, did he wrong you in some way? Like zeal you money or something? Like, no, I just, I didn't. I was he gets angry at players. We don't really yeah. know why, but he gets. I lash up, man. I can't help it. So there's anger guy. Oh, His ankle injuries and shit, dude. The guy is like grandma ankles at this point. So, anyways, uh, it's something as to where I don't like Marcus Mariota, but if he can beat this press coverage and how often the Dolphins blitz, like we could see him put up a similar amount of points on the ground again that he did last week. And I'm done. Oh, that took a lot out of me. All right. So, Chris, let's explain how this game works. You have two options, my friend. You can pick one of our three. Or if you have a wild card you want to throw out there, it's your call. So right now we have Goff, Breeze, and Mariota on the board. You can take one of those three, or you can take your own. Uh, I think I'll take my own on this one. And this Oh, is God, this is the one you were planning for. I think uh, wild card is definitely uh, – it's, it's a good descriptor uh, for my particular play. But just to tack on to the Marcus Mariota call, yes, uh, I took a look at that as well in terms of the rushing production for quarterbacks. Uh, they've allowed – I think it was around like 44 yards uh, like uh, for against a mobile quarterback, so that at least provides a safe floor. So even if yeah. Mariota like, throws a pick, which he's prone to do, that you should at least be covered there. And then um, also – uh, Miami's allowed 236 passing yards per game over their past two. Cam Newton even popped up for a decent game as a passer against them last week. Yep. So, hey, it, you could do worse. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's, I, definitely, I that's definitely a desperation play for sure. Uh, <laughs> all right. So here's my <laughs> I Cooter drew Lock. It was the other guy. So, you know, Cooter already said uh, Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the guy on the other side of that matchup. Could I interest you people in a Kirk Cousins? Couldn't now, interest Mike if he's away. Nope, not away. Right. Hold on. Hold on. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Okay. Since since week 11. All right. And they played some, I mean, some decent defenses over that time. They played against Tampa Bay. Like while their secondary is still trash. I mean, their front seven is still ferocious. Uh, Carolina, they stymied a number of good quarterbacks. I mean, they took, I mean, Patrick Mahomes down to the wire in the past. So he's, they've had, I mean, they faced some decent defenses over the time. And then Chicago, I mean, even though they had uh, at least two quarterbacks and a safety out again, Front seven, quarterback pressure, not something that Kirk Cousins is typically good at maneuvering past and getting through. 
Regardless, in that time frame, since week 11, uh, Kirk Cousins is 14th in EPA per play amongst all quarterbacks, 7th in uh, completion percentage over expected. I mean, that's, that's better than most yeah. of the quarterback ones that we would dis- like typically discuss on a week-in, week-out basis. Last week, even with I mean, all the, I mean, the pass rush that he was facing against, he did wind up taking three sacks, 271, 272 passing yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, two touchdowns. I mean, didn't throw an interception, thank God. I mean, he was, what, uh, what a, like a yard away from a, from a rushing touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he rushed well. for 25 yards, too. So, I mean, hey, you could do worse, I mean, than Kirk Cousins. And now, if we want to look at his receiving options, I mean, look at the types of receivers that have smoked the Saints. I mean, Calvin Ridley tagged them, I mean, for about like a, a buck and some change in weeks 11 and 13. I mean, and that, that's recent. And I mean, Justin Jefferson compares fairly well, in my opinion, to Calvin Ridley in how he runs routes, his speed, athleticism, ability after the catch. Adam Thielen can also work as an ancillary receiver. I mean, so at least to me, I think the game environment sets up well for Kirk Cousins to at least be a decent play. Now, he could obviously implode and have a Kirk Cousins day as he is prone to do. But if I were to take anybody outside of the top 20 in those rankings on ESPN, I think Kirk Cousins at least has a shot. If I were to like throw, if I were to throw a lineup in the millie, I mean, for, you know, for a stack that you know, he's going to be completely low owned, give me Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson for all this Glansky bucks. All right. So, can so I, wait, 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 real quick, Mike, because I, I know you're about to go off. I know you're going to go off on this. <laughs> so I want to try and get in on this beforehand because I have something really quick to mention. All right. He has seen at least 35 passing attempts since week 10 outside of one week, which was week 11 against Dallas, where I'm like, that was curious as to why they didn't, but you know, Dalvin cook ran all over him. Meanwhile, he's had a completion percentage of at least 65% or above in every matchup, except for one in that time frame, And that was up against Tampa Bay away from home. So go ahead and tell us why he did that away from home, Mike. Well, okay. So why he does that away from home is because Kirk, Cousins sucks on the road. Uh, Kirk Cousins, all the stats you just rolled out, Chris, are, are, are 100% correct, and they are completely inflated by the fact that Kirk Cousins, other than last week against the Chicago Bears, had thrown three touchdowns in every single home game that he played. So his road home splits, he has 22 touchdowns at home, seven on the road. He has never thrown three touchdowns on the road this season, and yet he's done it every game at home. So what happens with Kirk Cousins, if you look at what he's done in the second half of the season, they are outstanding, especially starting 11-22 where he played Dallas at home, 314 and three touchdowns. Carolina at home, 307 and three touchdowns. Jacksonville at home, 305 and three touchdowns. Then he went on the road, 225 and one. If you look at the game for Chicago, 292 and two, that's probably his best road game that he's had. Against Green Bay, 160 and one. The man loves his own bed. He loves his wife's cooking. He loves everything about being at home. And we yeah, talk- and he doesn't have to get strippers in a hotel room all away without wearing a mask. There's a, there's a lot he doesn't have to do when he's home. <laughs> So what I've learned, and it got me a stupid-looking mustache because you see in my profile picture, that was Kirk Cousins' fault. I made the mistake of betting on Rogue Kirk Cousins, and I won't do it again. It is literally even possibly more fascinating. If you remember a couple years back when Roethlisberger had those insane home road splits, Kirk Cousins is blowing those years ago. Yeah, it's been crazy. Kirk Cousins on the road, I, I just can't buy in until i see it is this the week i mean it's a weird trend to keep up for a whole year 
But man, he has not done it on the road. Seven touchdowns total on the road. No three touchdown games. Kirk Cousins on the road scares the hell out of me. I cannot get on it for that reason. And I've been touting this for what, guys? I think it's been like six or seven weeks. And it oh, you won't shut up about it. I know. As you can tell, Chris. It's the only stat I learned. <laughs> Uh, you told me to learn stats. I learned. Our listeners are now actually reciting this in their sleep at this point. Like they know it better than our theme song. And they're winning money off of it. Um, but that that's my problem with Kirk Cousins. All the numbers are correct. They just happen to be inflated at home uh, by a considerable amount. All right. Before we hop in. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. My only rebuttal to that is to me, that sounds more like him being in and out of a dome because even back in week four, when he played at Houston, 260 and one, while not three touchdowns, at least provided a stable floor. I and I, I could see that. I think that definitely it could be a dome thing, and that would that could flip it. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying I'm scared because nope. of the sports I've seen. Absolutely. All right, defense question. This is something that Chris Allen's an expert at, along with the weather. Am I correct on that? You, you study defenses, right? I, I have in the past. Oh, I'm, I'm, more, I'm more, more on quarterbacks, but no, no, no. Let's do it. Let's do it. No, I love defenses. To be honest with you, I'm I'm pretty yeah. big on defenses overall. But we got the Browns, the Bills, and the Cardinals. The Bills have been better as of late. The Cardinals, man, when they can get pressure on the quarterback, they do a great job forcing turnovers. Meanwhile, the Browns, eh, just depends on the week. How are y'all feeling? Does anybody want to start with this question? You know what, Cooter, you look ready for this question. Who do you have? <laughs> Uh, if it was me, I'm probably going to pick the Cardinals out of the three. This is bad. This is not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's the Browns, right? I mean, the Browns playing the Jets. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get the Jets offense. Uh, I'm afraid with the Cardinals uh, more than anything uh, of the running game, though, I think they will get sacks. So I do like the call from a sack standpoint. Uh, the Bills, I don't get. I honestly don't get why you would play the Bills this week. Uh, I, I don't. I don't see them being in this grouping. I well, just don't. They got the Patriots. So the way the Canadians yeah. are playing, I mean, it makes sense. But yeah, it's but, still but the give up. They give it up on the ground, and that's what the Patriots do. Um, Cam Newton's yeah, the dude's still a hard guy to get down. He's not an easy dude to sack, and that's where your points are going to be. So, uh, I mean, give me the Browns against the Jets. Uh, I, I just think the Jets' offense is easy pickings for a defense. The Browns are going to be up for this game. This is a huge game for them. Uh, I, I just I like them and I like it being a negative game script like the Browns getting up early. So I think they pin their ears back and I think that'll produce some sacks, though. I do like the Cardinals to get some sacks. I'm just afraid they might give up a few more points. That's why I'm going to lead Browns. But it is close between the two. The Bills, though, I wouldn't consider out of these three. Yeah, because if you're looking for I mean, defensive points are generated by, you know, sacks and turnovers. And I think the Cardinals are definitely like on par for it, like to to generate that sort that type of pressure. Yeah, uh, I think their pressure rate is seventh in the NFL as of right now. But the Browns. Yeah, Browns have been like slowly creeping up there, but they still sit like around like league average, if I'm not mistaken. But either way, I mean, you can't ignore that matchup against the Jets. I mean, I don't care what happened last week. I mean, like, uh, uh, was it um, Sam Darnold was still pressured on, I believe, like 35.8% of his dropbacks last uh, last week against the Rams. I mean, their offense, the Jets offensive line is still giving up a ton of pressure. So if we're thinking that the very least Baker Mayfield goes out and completely smokes the Jets secondary, creates that negative game script. I mean, either the Jets completely lay down, which they could. But at the very least, we would expect them to try and mount some sort of offense. So that means they're going to be passing more. That means there's going to be more shots uh, on the quarterback. Oh, yeah. So I think that's possible. While their secondary hasn't been great, 
because they've lost a couple of guys, injuries to the uh, guys like Greedy Williams and all that on the back end. I still think that Miles Garrett like finds like one of those games where he winds up with like four to five sacks. And I think they're, uh, if not the top defense, they have to be like top five, top six for this week. I'm, I'm going to go with uh, the Cardinals just to, you know, create a little wrench in the system. I, I like the, the Browns to an extent, but I don't love them. Meanwhile, the Cardinals, man, like their ability to generate pressure is phenomenal. It's, it's something where it's very spotty, but when they find these bad quarterbacks and they see these beat up offensive lines and they see these, you know, teams that, that want to try and get the ball out quick, they play close to the line of scrimmage. And although I think that IU could end up having a good week, I think that Jeff Wills could have a good week. I do not think that uh, CJ is going to have a good week. So I'm going to go with the Cardinals. Let's do one more defense question and hop in the next one. We have the Washington football team or the Saints. Oh, man, give me Washington all freaking day. Washington. Yeah. yeah, Washington. Things yeah. just aren't who they were the last few weeks. It's just, I wouldn't trust that at all. Yeah, Washington's been the exact opposite. They've been complete studs. Um, just absolutely bankable. Washington by mile. Yeah, Washington's second in rush EPA. I believe they're first in a dropback EPA per loud, or uh, per EPA allowed. I mean, they've been completely lighting up quarterbacks like over the last like few weeks. So, I mean, Washington for me. The best part is they don't have to bring the blitz if they don't want to because their nah. front, you know, the front four can generate pressure. So it's actually, uh, you know, it's kind of held up the quarterbacks and their ability to read and get the ball out quickly. So whenever they face it, it's the quarterbacks sit back in the pocket like sitting ducks. Yeah, you know, it's it's created tip, uh, it's created tip balls. You know, from the late blitzer that comes in, that's supposed to play contain. We've seen it with Preston Williams, or not Preston Williams. Uh, uh, we've seen it with uh, Montez Sweat constantly. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen it with Chase Young. They don't even pass Chase Young's side anymore. Like that's yeah. what it's getting to. Like they don't aim on his side if it's a if it's a dump off or anything. They actually look at the other direction. So yeah, yeah. I'm going that route 100. percent Yeah, the rookie DPOY conversation starts and ends with Chase Young. That's fact. <laughs> I, well, it didn't start that way. He That's struggled fair. off the yeah. gates, but lately, man, like they don't even want to. It's kind of like how you sit there and you look at like uh, Patrick Peterson in younger in his career, you know, mm-hmm. Drell Revis is like, oh, they didn't have interceptions, blah, blah, blah. They're not getting targeted. They're not going right. in that direction. They're running away from it the entire time. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, that's a big piece to it. Mm-hmm. All right, let's hop into this next uh, segment before we go on to our next set of questions. We have the running backs. Yep. So I think uh, Kudaminia probably covered ours in detail. So I'm going to burn through mine quickly. It's Gio Bernard, 25 touches last week going against the Texans. I gave you all the reasons. So I don't want to waste a ton of time here. I'm just going when Gio is a smash play this week. Yeah, and I'm going to go with Devin Singletary. Pretty much everything I told you last week of why you should play Ahmed is the same reason why you should play uh, Singletary. So I think he's one of those ones. He's RB37 for ESPN, and I just think that it's absurdly low this week. And I already mentioned my guy, uh, Daryl Henderson. I mean, we can't make this out. I know folks will be kind of trying to split hairs between him and Malcolm Brown, but Henderson was the guy like when Akers have been out in the past and with uh, the Rams uh, kind of shifting more towards the run once they get into the red zone. I mean, less than a 50% red zone passing rate over the past four weeks. uh, I think Henderson is at least, he should get the starting job, should get the majority of the workload within the 20s with some shots, uh, you know, with some shots of those money touches that we want for fantasy. So yeah, Henderson for me. Yeah, Henderson got in the end zone against him. Meanwhile, you had Malcolm Brown get two touchdowns, so I think both could be relevant, to be honest yeah. with you. They were the last time they played. Yep. I don't know how y'all are going to leave me with Melvin Gordon. Like, how did that happen? Like, I, I got on the show sheet late, and I'm like, wait, I got, I got Melvin Gordon? I mean, that's crazy. Like, Melvin Gordon should smash it this week. Lindsay, right? Yeah. Uh, since week nine, he's averaged 3.5 yards per carry. 
right? Like he, or he, I'm sorry. He's, he's, I'm sorry. He, yeah, he averaged over 3.5 yards per carry one time since week nine. Sorry. I misread my own notes. So Lindsay averaged over 3.5 yards per carry one time since week nine. And he's dealing with an injury. I mean, we, we sit there and we look at him. Melvin Gordon has under 4.2 just twice, just two times. He's averaged under 4.2 yards per carry. And his fourth lowest is 5.2. Like that's uh, like he's, he's smashing it. And I don't know what happens with like these coaches, like this whole drew lock thing, right? Where they're not like Shermer's had a top 10 rushing quarterback every year, but once every year, but once. Uh, And that was with David Garrard, who did not run the ball anytime that he's calling plays. And then he goes to Denver and he has a guy who has wheels on him. Like he has this, this quarterback who is the sixth fastest 40 time for quarterbacks who's active starter in the NFL right now. And actually he might be fifth now because I think Taysom Hill is out. But anyway, it, it's something like, why aren't they running him more often? And now they're sitting there with Philip Lindsay and Shermer still, Pat Shermer's offensive coordinator still just being weird. Like where did his offensive play calling go? Why is he not playing Melvin Gordon? It is driving me insane. <laughs> like. It's something where, like, uh, it's brutal. Now, I will say something that does worry me about Melvin Gordon is the Chargers actually do a lot better up against, like, these scat-back-type players. You know, the number two uh, scat-back is actually the guy that has been producing for whatever reason. So maybe it is a week for Phil Prince. You know, maybe that does happen. But to be honest with you, I think it's going to be Melvin Gordon week. I think he's going to crush faces and melt souls and win people fantasy league. Melvin Gordon is a smash play for me. I don't know how he's, uh, what is he, like, 22nd or something, 25th? I don't even know. Yeah, he's too low. All right, so just real quick, uh, I'm going to pull this one out of the checks. We covered it earlier. It is Henderson. Chris just gave you all the reasons why we covered this question earlier, Facebook users. So if you want to go back and watch the end of the show, go ahead. Uh, but Chris gave you a pretty solid rundown on why we're all Daryl Henderson on that particular question. Mm-hmm. Cool. Do you want to go uh, wide receivers, Chase? Yeah, let's hop on wide receivers. Let's do this. Um, so as we talked about, I was looking at – Cooper Cup for a little while, and I, I backed off him. And I'm going to go Cole Beasley. Uh, with the loss of Gilmore, the entire Patriots secondary is going to shift. I'm not certain how they're going to play this one out, but Beasley is getting the looks. I think he's going to be trouble for them. I love, love, love J.C. Jackson. I love Duggar. I love what he's doing. I don't think either of them are going to be anywhere near Cole Beasley. Uh, so while Jones has been, I think by PFF, he's one of the higher rated slot corners, uh, you know, being a Patriots fan, watching them week in and week out. I, I just think that Bees is going to get loose. I think he's going to be the option. I think Diggs has a nice game this week, too. Um, but overall, I think Beasley at wide receiver 39 is entirely, entirely too low for an offense that I think is going to put up a lot of points in the New England Patriots this week. I think Beasley gets his. Um, not sure what's going on with Diggs's foot. He will be the one or two option this week. Regardless, though, with the amount of targets he's getting, I like Beasley for 100 yards and possibly a touch. Yeah, and for me, um, I know earlier I talked about Allen Robinson. I don't know what his consensus ranking is, but I went with some, oh yeah, I was going to say he's probably not available for that, but um, I'm going to go Tyler Lockett. I know that Russell Wilson is not a guy that I'm super confident in as far as if you look at his last five weeks or so, he's had one big game in the air, but I think if we see what Darnold did against, uh, who did they play? The Jets? No, he's the Jets. Who did they play last week? 
Who the, the Seahawks play? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Uh, but we saw what Darnold did against the Rams. So I, I just I think that Russell could have another week to start making the connections and make it happen again. And I think Tyler Locke is the guy I would see out of that group. I mean, he's ranked 28. I think he's going to do – he could do a top 12 game if they could get it together. Mm-hmm. I, I think we talked about this earlier. I'm not going to spend too much time on it because, like we said, you know, we smashed this early. But, man, Brandon Cooks, how is he not in the top yeah. 20? Yeah, I agree. Like, that makes absolutely no sense to me. I mean, this is not a dink and dunk offense like Cincinnati beat last week. They struggle on the outside, especially with the deep pass. You know, Kirk Patrick's not very good. William Jackson has his moments and whatnot. But, I mean, we're sitting there. We're looking at the average pass distance for for Watson. 9.3 yards, 12.7 yards, 9.0 yards, 9.1. I mean, it's just, it's, it's all up there. Like his, his, oh man, I, I had it up earlier and actually exited off it, but his average yards per attempt, all that stuff are just through the roof. His eight dots through the roof, like everything, his deep passes, he's like second or third deep passes. I'm telling you guys like Cincinnati, it's, it should be a, a mail it in type ballot where, Brandon Cooks is going to be that guy. This is probably the easiest decision I've had all year. Hopefully, I won't regret saying that while Mike is drinking a Big Mac smoothie next week. <laughs> that, that sounds gross. gross. It is gross. Yeah. We, we made a bet. We made a it bet. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow got a fall. <laughs> yeah, you better pick that up. We got a show next week, man. We got uh, we got Ray GQ on. We've got Nate Hamilton on, and then we got Salito on with us. It's a big show. So, man, you're bringing Mr. Garvin on this show. Yeah, yeah, man. This is actually his. It'll be a second time on the show. So, Ray is the truth. I love him, man. Ray GQ is is one of the best Debbie guys to listen to. I listen to his show every Monday. So, anyways, uh, yeah, they all want to come on and watch Mike drink a Big Mac smoothie. So, this is going to be very exciting. Ooh, what, yeah. All right, Chris. What do we got? You go with one of ours. You got your own. Uh, I mentioned him earlier, uh, Cooper Cup. Um, I mean, this was the same guy, I mean, that, I mean, through, I think there was like 11 or 12 weeks into the season. I mean, he had like just short of a 25% target share within that offense. And now I know that, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's been Robert Woods primarily. And then we've seen the tight ends like mix in uh, here and there, like throughout the last couple of weeks or last few weeks rather. Uh, but as I mentioned earlier, um, I mean, they've been shifting more towards two tight end sets in order to bolster their offensive line. We've seen like an above average rate, like between 55 and 60 percent in weeks 13 and 14. Last week against the Jets, that dropped back down. His target share picked back up somewhere around 20 percent, if I'm not mistaken. But we just we need to see those money touches. We need to see those targets within the, within the 20. And we just haven't seen it yet as of late. So I'm hoping if Russell Wilson and the Seahawks can get up for this game and actually start putting together that Seahawks uh, offense and let, let Russ cook movement that we love throughout the earlier parts of the season. I'm hoping that on the opposite side, Cooper cup can then start to be a larger part of that offense. And we can start to see more of his involvement, not just between the twenties, but also within the red zone as well. Take it. All right. Let's, so let's, let's answer one question real quick for Sean, just because this guy's on every single show. And then we're going to fly through it. Sorry. I'm blocking you guys out. If you guys want to you know, get a little taller. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, what's going on, Sean, man? Appreciate you coming in. He's got a question for us. PPR, not looking for, you know, like James Robbins, right? He wants to sit there and flex Wayne Gallman, Miles Gaskin, Cooper Cup, or Leonard Fournette. I, I mean, I'm going to get this out of your face now. I think Leonard Fournette is, is yeah. the one, right? Like, I, I still like Gaskin, but Leonard Fournette's a smash. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Okay, that was easy. I figured it would be. I figured that that's why I wanted to answer real quick. We got to get Cooter out of here, of course, here shortly. So, all right, let's go ahead and go into the tight ends. All right, let's do it. Um, tight ends, I'm going to start out with uh, Mr. Cole Komet at Jacksonville. Shout out to the Cole Komet Club. Been a huge fan for a while now, as you guys know. Uh, we're weak last week, two targets. But before then, back-to-back games with seven targets against this Jacksonville defense. The tight ends are going to eat. Uh, it's going to be him or Graham, possibly both. I'm going to put my money on the talent. I'm going to put my money on the kid, and I'm going to go Cole Komet, who I believe came in at number 18 or 19 in the rankings. I think he is one of those guys. Again, we've talked about this. Like Outside the top 15 is tough. It is tough um but i think cole Komet has that type of talent he has that type of matchup again we've talked about is dave montgomery going to take all the touches it, it's looked that way recently but i think cole Komet's a guy who can smash this week and again shout out to cole Komet club love you guys um hopefully our boy scores this week and just to go off of that too the jags have allowed a touchdown to tight ends in four out of the last five games so to nice. say that maybe montgomery takes it i still think he has a solid chance of getting a good game out of it too this is Jimmy Graham. Uh, yeah, uh, you never know. But uh, he always yeah, ruins would... dreams, man. Jimmy Graham is the ruiner of dreams as of the past couple years. My sister was in love with him for a while, and then he left the Saints, and then she was so bitter. She was done. But uh, I have to say, for this, I agree with Mike too, and I know we've said it every week. Out of like that top seven of the tight ends, it's really just dirty, you know. And it's kind of like a you're not you don't know what you're going to get. But I'm going to go with John and Smith this week. I'm not feeling great about it, but he's consensus 19. And once you get out of those guys, at least I think he could get you, you know, 50, 60 yards and a touchdown this week. And that may be what you need, you know, but he's, I would only do this if you're desperate. Yeah, I'll take that. I mean, mine is an easy answer for this is Hayden Hurst, who, you know, still had weeks where he's performed over as of late. But the reality is, is like, you can't pass the wide receivers, <laughs> like, you know, and if Julio Jones is out, uh, I'm sorry, you can't pass the wide receivers up against the Kansas City Chiefs. If Julio Jones is out, like you're sitting at a pretty tough, you know, task for Ridley to sit there and handle the Chiefs by himself or they can double up. I know Sorensen's been okay up against the tight ends and, you know, it is what it is. But honestly, like Caden Hurst, I don't know how you don't play him this week. I don't know how he isn't a top 12 tight end, if not top, I mean, top seven, top eight from what I was looking at. All right, so out of the three, I'm not going to go wild this time. I'm not going to go off the board. Uh, I'm a cooter on this one, uh, to be All quite right. honest. Uh, John right. Smith was actually, uh, he was my pick. Uh, so over the past few weeks, um, his, uh, his snap share has steadily risen uh, as he's been coming back from injury. Uh, so like the guys like, you know, Mikkel Pruitt and Jeff Swaim. <laughs> I mean, most of those guys have faded into the background. He wound up with a 93% snap share this past week, uh, five or six targets, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and I mean, Green Bay, like while uh, we over at like at four for four, we have uh, Green Bay as uh, the eighth or ninth in schedule adjusted fancy points allowed to tight ends. But like I'm scrolling through some of the teams that they faced. I mean, and, and listen to this. All right. So what last week it was they faced Carolina. So it was like Ian Thomas. Every okay. time Carolina gets to like Carolina's in the thing, like it's like zero, zero. Yeah. Zero. It's so like, it's like, wait. OK, so they faced Ian Thomas. Uh, so who was it before that? I mean, Mo Ali Cox, like back in uh, back in week 11, Tyler Eifert, like when they played against Jacksonville in week 10. I mean, so over the past like six or seven weeks, they've had just like nobodies at tight end. But like here are the tight ends that they have played against. 
So TJ Hawkinson, 11 for 43 and a touch. Dallas Goddard, when they played against them, 7 for 66. So, I mean, with A.J. Brown still being limited in practice, I mean, Corey Davis still becoming a lot, like he's still a decent part of that offense, but they don't really have that like certified, like third option within that passing game since Adam Humphreys went on IR. So if you want to take a dart and throw, I mean, throw it at the board and see what sticks. I mean, Johnny Smith makes sense to me. And you know what? You make me more confident in it now because my biggest concern was against Green Bay. They just weren't allowing a ton. And when you look at it, but when you have the narrative you're giving, it's like, okay, well, that makes sense. It's just like the cousins on the road versus home. Like when you, it's not just the numbers, but it's kind of what's contributing to that, that you may not see right off the bat. So, right. I mean, in week nine, they played against San Francisco. So what tight end were you expecting to, you know, score points like from them too? So it's like, who have they really played that are consistent contributors? Yeah. Yeah, At the position. And it hasn't been a lot of people to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. I, I got to add something in here, man. Cause, cause we're about to end up the show, right? We're about to round the show off. And when I was only doing like five podcasts a week, I would have gone toe to toe for you <laughs> with stats. And like, that would have been like the day of my life, man. Like Chris is so like just packed up with stuff. And you know, unfortunately, like, you know, it's, it's been crazy starting out fantasy intervention and getting this thing off the ground. So I had to sacrifice some stuff. So unfortunately I haven't been able to get the research in that, that you're spitting out. It's like, Damn, I missed doing that shit. Cause that's like the stuff I would spit out constantly. Like it all everything you're talking about, most people have no idea what the hell you said, to be honest. What he's like, saying is you're his role model, Chris. Okay. Dude, I, I want to fight you one day when I actually have like when I have time to do some research, we're gonna we're gonna fight. But uh, Let's no. do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh we'll we'll figure out something we disagree on and just go toe to toe. But no, it, it's something as to where, man, like you do a phenomenal job over there with everything you're doing. And you know, you're somebody that I, I was stoked when you said you wanted to come on the show because I enjoy all your research. I enjoy all your articles. So real quick, let's go ahead and, and say our goodbyes. And then we will answer all the rest of the questions on the board. We're going to do some quick fire. Chris, if you want to stay on for that, you can, if not, no big deal, but I do want to get Cooter doodle out of here because she has kids in, in, in life. Just I'm one. Like, Don't put that. Juju I can show for a oh, sorry. Kids. <laughs> just kid. Kid. All right. She's kid. That's okay. <laughs> oh man. So real quick. Chris, let everybody know where to find you. That's still in here. Uh, you can find me at Chris Allen FFWX on Twitter. All my writing, uh, just check my timeline. I mean, with as like this is not a humble brag or anything like that. But for as many articles that I post, it's normally like I come on and be like, "Hey, check this thing out that I write," and then I'm off to write the next piece. So, um, but four for four, number fire, uh, list Rotor World and Football Guys. So if you want to find me there, check out any of those sites and check out the content I'm there. And if you disagree with me, come yell at me on Twitter. I'll, I'll listen to you. No biggie. Hey, he responds. He responds. And he comes to my show. best. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's something that's where, you know, I appreciate your articles. People don't realize the time that goes into writing these things. So the time of research that it takes, everything like that, you're doing all that for these people. So we definitely appreciate it. Cooter, where can we find you? Aside from on video games getting creeped out, which I lost it when I <laughs> yeah, went that video. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Cooterdoodle. You can find me next Wednesday with Chase and the gang again and Mike uh, at 8 Eastern. Dude, Always she, want to say Central. I know. Like you said, I got to get out of here at 8.30. And I'm like, I was like, we passed that. Oh, oh, my bad. <laughs> very, very centric. I'm just in my world. My bad. No, you're good. You're good. Here. And then Mike, of course, where can we find you writing articles? At Daddy's Home FF on Twitter, <laughs> writing my one article at fantasyintervention.com. I was bribed and I got one out for you. Uh, you find me every Wednesday at 8 Eastern, right here with the 
best guests in the industry, including an absolute superstar tonight. Chris, thanks for coming on, man. This was so much fun. Uh, and yeah, next week you can watch me try to hold down a Big Mac smoothie while handing out end of the year awards. I forget who hit Joe Burrow, but I will find you, sir. I will <laughs> find you because you have ruined my appetite for an entire week. Um, but yeah, it can't... wasn't Chase Young. Was it Chase Young that did it? Uh, no, Chase Young was ahead of the goal line that had an issue. I think. He okay, because I wasn't going after Chase Young. That's a large man. I'm hoping it was Chase like. I'm hoping it was like a safety. Cause I, 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 <laughs> I hope it was a safety. As, like, <laughs> really? as if that's going to save me somehow. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, uh, you can always find me here. Jamal yeah. Adams, take your shot. <laughs> and join our circle underscore. Uh, but literally everything is always on Twitter. Just like Chris, that's where you're going to find me. You disagree with something. You hate me. I ruined something for you. Hit me up and I'll send something positive your way. Cause that's what I do. Um, but find me there and uh, find all of us at join our circle underscore. Join our oh, and circle. You can find underscore. Mike and Cole commits DMs too, by the way. Always, always in cold commits <laughs> DM, just sliding in there like it's no big. And doing some lip sync videos, dancing and shaking yeah. your hips. Dude, I am still out I'm of breath from uh, Avril Lavigne. <laughs> Are you seeing that yet, Chris? I'll send it to you. It's spectacular. Oh, man, I, I feel bad for Linda. See it, but it's probably Linda one of those things where, like, you have to see it. I mean, you yeah. just, all right, yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's it's 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 not pretty anyways you guys can check me out at ff underscore intervention you guys can also find us at fantasy football discussion on facebook Twenty four thousand members which we are live to right now i'm sure only like five thousand are active i checked the reports earlier we went from twenty two thousand active a day to like three thousand active today <laughs> because of the fantasy championship <laughs> so it is what it is but you guys can enjoy that community it's still very active in the off season people are just butthurt right now uh we we still have about a 75 percent activity rating with people answering questions all the time for you guys fantasy football discussion on facebook and of course you guys can you know join our circle and check us out please go if we helped you out throughout the season go to youtube.com slash fantasy intervention and just go ahead and subscribe for us so you guys can keep up to date with how to beat your leagues next year. Listen, we appreciate you guys for tuning in, and thank you all for letting us intervene with your fantasy football life. Hey, my mom told my niggas is dope. Switch up a stove, pick up a stove. They feeling away, they know I'm the goat. That's how you bang a podcast. We're out, but okay. stay tuned. Don't leave. Don't leave Don't your leave. Cooter, you I'll leave. See you later. We'll see you next time. Chris, you want to hammer these out? We're just new, like, you know. Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. I got a few minutes. Wait, All right, we got Mayfield or Hurts? Mayfield. Mayfield for me. Ooh, I'm Hurts on that one, for real. I just, I can't get on Mayfield's train yet. I don't hate Mayfield. I think it's pretty close, but either way. Um, Washington, we already did that one. Yeah, yeah Washington. We already did that one. Yep. He's still here, baby. I doubt he is. <laughs> you already hit this one, right? Yep. Yeah, we talked about him, though. Yep. Hey, from the UK. That's dope. That's late, man. Thanks for hanging out. I thought that, like, I saw GB and, like, my mind's still on football. So I was like, oh, cool. Green somebody Bay. from Green Bay. Yeah. I thought the same thing. <laughs> that, was, that was actually, like, 45 minutes ago. So I don't know if he's still here or not. But Snell, Connor, or Gaskin, PPR, I'll take Gaskin at this yeah, point. Yeah, Gaskin. Yeah, Gaskin for me. It still scares me the whole COVID thing, to be honest. But I'm still going to take Gaskin for the PPR upside. Yeah, I'm glad he got activated today. So at least that gives him, what, maybe one day of practice before they have to play? 
couple days, right? And he's young. And he's young. He should be okay. All right. Please help. Championship game. Matt Ryan. Who does he want us to help? The other team or him? No, I'm just kidding. Matt Ryan versus Kansas City or Mariota versus Miami. I'm going to go Mariota in this one. I thought about, like, Matt Ryan. I don't hate it, but I don't love it. I, um... I would probably like, I'm going to go Matt Ryan just because I love Calvin Ridley. You really I, think he's going to beat the Kansas City secondary, huh? Oh yeah, Calvin Ridley. Yeah, if he could smoke, I mean the Saints. I mean twice. Yeah, he can handle. He can handle Kansas City. Oh man, I can't believe we missed this. Hey, D- Munder Difflin, uh, your name always gets me. By the way, I voted for you in the in the thing. I wish we would have caught this. By the way. Oh, that's dope. Oh, uh, yeah. Scott has been doing a ton of charity stuff with, uh, he's in the Cole Komet group. And he's been Wait, doing. You guys a- actually have a group? Oh, yeah. We literally have. So what's funny <laughs> was it started on the live stream. Uh, I love it. <laughs> oh, you, you think I'm joking. It started on a live stream where I said something nice about Cole Komet and Seth, uh, Seth from I uh, from uh, In Between Media was like, F Cole Komet. It started this whole thing that we changed our group name to the Cole Komet fan club. And then randomly I added him to the group just for the hell of it. I didn't know you could do that on Twitter, uh, but I popped him in there as well. Uh, so he doesn't talk back to us, but we talk to him on a weekly basis. And Scott's always telling him about all his charity work. He's oh, that's funny as shit. I that's tried cool. to add somebody else in recently, but I couldn't add him. And yeah, I think group. it depends on like how they're set up. But Cole Komet is in our group. I don't think he knows it yet. We're probably somewhere in his trash folder, uh, but he's in there. And uh, Scott is leading the charge. So I, I think I'm the number one I love fan. It. Of he goes in there and gets off on like, you know, late Saturday nights, you know, right oh, before the game. He goes in there and he's like, I'm going to feel real good, baby. It's yeah, like exactly. a bunch of us sitting there being like, yo, you're going to have the best game ever, Cole. You got this. That's where all the Cole Komet <laughs> jokes came from. Um, it's like the mom cheers. <laughs> it's like your mom it. cheering for you on the sidelines. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you see all those Cole Komet jokes? That was actually our DMs that we put into tweets after that, where we're just saying, you know, hey, I just Komet you or I like Cole. No, I love it. That's, that's where it all came from. Yeah, that's one big group that he doesn't know he's that's in. That's wonderful. Part of. Yeah, so shout out to Scott, though, always doing his charity around Cole Komet, and I absolutely love it. That's cool. Yeah, so if you can, if you're still listening, if you're listening, please, uh, I guess, hit us up on a tweet, and we'll, we'll retweet it for you. I haven't seen anything, so make sure you tag me. All right, Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts? Okay, this is getting a little bit outrageous. Josh Allen, what the? F- come on, come on now, guys. It's Josh Allen. <laughs> this one just came in too. Oh just man, came in. he's here. They're listening. Yeah, top no. top five. I mean, top five over the past few weeks in neutral passing rate. The red zone passing rate is still top ten. And if it's not, I mean, it's not a pass. Then Josh Allen is still liable to run. I mean, and take it in himself, which he did twice just this past week. So come on now. Yeah. That's part of the reason why I can't get on Zach Moss for Devin Singletary. It hurts me every time. That's fair. Um, and I liked Singletary. So I wasn't on Singletary before the season started last year, and then I got on Singletary. Uh, once I saw him playing the preseason, saw how tough he was playing. But yeah, I, I thought I was high on him just, before the season his, came his in. ADP, I think his ADP was still too high. I mean, if you're playing with a Russian quarterback, I mean, like, like Josh Allen, I mean, and, and not that we ever saw this 180 in terms of his uh, ability to like his completion percent uh, percentage increase, neutral passing rate increase. I mean, any of those other stats that have just shown, I mean, Josh Allen to be a top quarterback in this league. Either way, if we still thought Josh Allen was going to be the rushing quarterback from 2019, taking Devil, Devin Singletary in the like fourth, fifth round still seemed egregious to me. I mean, it's just it, that was too high of a price 
for a guy that we knew was going to be battling touches with at the very least uh, another running back, but if not his own quarterback. Where the hell were you Facebookers at earlier? Like, I mean, we literally, we get like 500 comments from Facebook and tonight they're just now starting to come in. Uh, it's, yeah. it's something that's where like this New England secondary, we don't care. Like, cause Josh Allen has rushing upside. Yeah. But it, not, not even that Gilmore is out for the yeah. year. Uh, they're, they're, they're defensive player of the year. The staple of what made their secondary good yeah, is out, and not to mention they're talking bad weather in Foxborough. I mean, we're getting some warm weather coming in, and and the fact is, it's Buffalo and New England in December. This is what they do, and we've talked about the fact that the Patriots play a dime defense and give up runs. That's what Josh Allen. Josh Allen might be the running back one this week. Uh, actually, and speaking of that, I said um, maybe the running back one. I don't. <laughs> Uh, let's see. I don't have, I, I normally do, um, the data pull for the weather. I just do a scrape for all the games, um, on Thursday night. Um, but since you guys mentioned it, um, I was talking with, uh, John Paulson, uh, head projection guy over at four for four. Hopefully everybody knows who that is. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. He, he was one of my first big follows ever. Oh yeah. I mean, great guy. I mean, uh, love talk. We talk like every like Saturday or Sunday just to go over the weather for the week and I help him adjust his projections. Uh, but we were talking about this game in particular. And as of right now, uh, for what I saw on the weather forecast, um, around like 20 degrees, which cold, I don't care about cold in terms of how it impacts the game, yeah. unless it's like negative degrees or something like that. Uh, but, uh, they do have snow in the forecast, but it's light. Uh, I mean, we're talking like flurries or maybe like 0.1 inches of snow. So maybe like a light dusting on the field. So I'm not too concerned about, uh, about the snow for that particular game. So I think most folks can proceed with that game as normal. It's the green Bay game. That one looks like it sucks. Like for weather, that one is like looking to get inches of snow uh, during the game on Sunday night. I do so much work and yet I still fall short. So, <laughs> Here's the thing, too, and uh, this is not me being a weather guy like Chris. This is me living here. Um, we are expecting unseasonably warm weather uh, leading up to the game and including Monday morning as well. So, Chris, where you're seeing the snow, what you're not going to see on the field, which is what normally is going to scare you, especially for a rushing script, is accumulation. Yep. That's not going to happen. The day is going to start out in the mid 40s, yeah. possibly getting as high as 50 in Foxborough. So what you're going to have is you're going to have rain with snow coming in later, which I actually like because without the accumulation, I'd rather light snow than rain, especially with our weather, the way it comes in. And without having substantial winds, what you're worried about with Foxborough, especially is the open end of that stadium. If the winds aren't substantial, light snow will literally have almost no impact on this game God, man that's fire that yep. is fire take dude i think that the field i, also I has can't believe they're actually playing 20 degree too. weather i walked my dog in like 40 degree weather the other day and i thought my i thought i was gonna get frostbite yeah and i think i commented in the chat and everybody hated me so anyways real quick let's do rapid fire for this because i'm yeah. two hours late for a podcast dobbins wilson carson henderson Pick two, four uh, or pick uh, two. two. Uh, yeah. Dobbins is a smash. Dobbins. Yeah, Dobbins for certain. Uh, Carson, I think because we at least can project more targets for him than uh, than Hendo. Um, so I'd probably lean Dobbins Carson yeah. for me. Yeah, two safest by far. Um, Hendo might have a little better upside, but, you know, play it safe, get the touches. Well, I don't play the entire game. 
Uh, yeah. I think so. I mean, they yeah. didn't wind up sitting him until what was it like five minutes left in the fourth quarter? They when still they have were... a chance for the for the top spot, right? Yeah, yeah they they still have something to play for. So they I don't. don't... They're playing for a bye. Yeah, so I don't see them having like a Lamar Jackson 2019 where like he's sitting in like you know at the start of the fourth quarter that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Gore, uh, Godwin or Ayuk? So this one's interesting because Ayuk, I think they have like the same exact trajectory in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Godwin might have a slightly higher upside, but it's like, dude, I. I it's so tough to tell for this game. Same player. Give it, me the better game environment, and I'd probably take Godwin. Yeah, mm-hmm. true. I like that. I mean, Godwin at least has a higher upside, so that's that's kind of mm-hmm. what I'm in for right there. He is worse. I don't care about that. Um, Le'Veon Bell, Darrell Henderson, Mike Davis, Tyler Lockett, full PPR pick three. Ooh, Mike Davis. Yeah, I'm sitting sitting Davis there. Sit Dude, where the hell were you guys? We've had a show going on for an hour and 40 minutes, and now all of a sudden we get all the damn questions. Yep. It happens. I know. Uh, I'm just giving them shit. This is, this is Facebook, so we can actually talk shit on like Twitter, <laughs> where they, you know, they, they get a little buttered if we talk shit. So, like, I can actually talk shit to these people, and they don't, they don't care. They, they laugh at all. All right. Inflex, Dobbins, Godwin, Cup, or Pollard, full PPR, Cup. Dobbins. In, in the flex, full PPR? Ooh, cup. I, cup or Godwin for me, to be quite honest. I, I don't know who their starting wide receivers are that, um, or starting running backs that Dobbins would be a possible flex for them. But yeah, I, I might go Godwin or Cup. That's just me. All right. I think that's Gage, right? Or Patrick. I, I'm assuming he means, yeah, or Tim Patrick. Yeah, Russell Gage. Yeah, Russell Gage was popping last week. Yeah, I could could Gage against KC. Let's do it. Yeah, I'll sign up for that one because Tim Patrick just like he's not doing it for me up against the Chargers this week. Yes, that's going to be a running game. And Patrick bombed last week. And man, I don't this quarterback. You really want to like hang your season on Drew Locke's arm? Mm -mm. I ain't doing it. Nope. I'd rather hang on his legs. Wait, that sounded wrong. All right, thank you guys for tuning in. See you guys next week. Peace. Oh, man.